Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. Our scripture this morning is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. If you will turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. And it reads, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Happy Sabbath. I am not a theologian. I'm not a pastor. So it's very weird being up here doing a sermon. I'm, I'm not much of a speech guy. But before we get into, you know, the, the theme of today, I, I just wanted to share um, when Tony came up to me and said, like, hey, are you willing to, to do a sermon at some point? I was like, sure. But in my mind and in my heart, I was like, oh, no. I, I hate going and speaking in public, you know. My thing is, you know, to do things behind the scenes, you know. I, that's what I like to do. I'm not much of a of a speaker. So in that sense, I think I I got some a little bit more of my mother's side than my dad's side, you know, of speaking in public. Um, but one thing that I, I thought about a lot was that um, sometimes we think about the church. <coughs> Sorry, my <clears> throat's a little bit bad i had a bad week and so <clears> the <throat> throat's not really good but going back to the topic sometimes we think about church <clears throat> in the sense of of this place where we have this division between the people on the on the seats and the person up here in front we think about you know as as whoever comes up here must have something really special going on you know must have four years of a seminary probably you know doing a masters or something like that but in reality, when we look into the history of our church, the people that were going to speak up in the front and our pioneers, they were really young in age. They they were in their early 20s. They didn't have much education. If you look into Ellen White, she didn't pass elementary school, you know. And so um, what that tells me is that this place here up front is is open to whoever has a message that God puts in your heart. And so thinking about that, I was thinking, okay, I don't have much excuse, you know, not to to talk up front. And um, and I thought about something that God has been talking to me a little bit, and I wanted to share that with you. And if you look at the the title of the sermon, Artists of the Kingdom, you kind of already get the gist of what I'm going to talk about. You you can see what. It's going to be the topic, which is art. Um, and I know that some of you, at some hearing that word, might think, "Well, it's going to be one of those sermons. You know, it's not going to be too deep, or it's not going to be something you know too, um, you know, urgent, like you know, prophecies or the second return of of Christ or something like that." And to be honest, uh, a few years ago. I would think like that. I would also think the same thing. Um, but reading the Bible, there's have some things have come up to me that have changed my mind in this, and I want to share that with you. Share that with you today. Um, but before we go into that, I just wanted to do a quick, you know, survey with you all um, about what is art. What do you consider art? Okay. So I'm going to show you some pictures, some objects, and I want you to raise your hand if you would consider that a work of art. Okay, really simple. There's no judgment. Um, there's no right or wrong. 
okay? Um, so it's real quick. I'm gonna show you, I'm not gonna give you an explanation, I'm just gonna show you the object and then you raise your hand if you think that's a work in art, of art, okay? So first of all, do you think this would be considered a work of art? Okay. What about this? Okay, cool. What about this? All right, pretty consistent. What about this painting? All right, what about this photo? Okay, work of art. Now, what about this? It's a cup of tea, fuzzy, kind of weird looking. Okay, what about this? Would you consider to be a work of art? Okay, unless I see some hands didn't raise this time. Okay, cool. What about this? <laughs> All right, so for the kids, this is me in my presentation of the wise men. I tried when my squeaky voice came up. It wasn't fun. Um, and for some reason, 19 years later, I was, play, I was still playing the wise men. Um, I, for some reason, they cast stereotype me in, into the wise men. So that's why I'm letting my hair grow. Maybe, you know, I can get a more permanent role. Maybe like Joseph. I don't know. Anyways. Um, yeah. But some would consider this not to be a work of art because it was very bad. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, what, what we can see here in this little, you know, um, this little test that I did with you guys here is that some raised your hand. There was an overlap in some things that were, you know, we all considered it art. Some things we did not, some people didn't consider, others considered. And what that tells us is that, you know, there is some difference in how we understand what art is right and then this question what is art you might think okay how is that relevant to what we are talking here today we're in church we're talking about spiritual stuff right how does that kind of fit into this larger narrative of of um of the great conflict or and also of christianity um just to give a little bit of background um, for you, for those who don't know, I work with video production. And so, um, I came here to the U S to do my master's in film theory and criticism. And so this question of what is art is kind of, um, very important to me because it has to do a lot with what I do, with what I like to, um, what my hobby slash work is. And so that was a question that I kind of, um, had growing up ever since i knew at the age of 10 that i wanted to do filmmaking i had this question okay so what is a good film what is right um i would i i would hear you know the world talk about these movies that were acclaimed that were considered workers works of art but then at church or you know friends would say like hmm, this movie is not really good it's kind of trash um and, and at the same time there were like films that i would I would see that my the members of the church or my friends would say, like, this is a really great movie. But then from a technical point of view, I was like, hmm, this is not really actually, you know, this would not uphold to the standards of the filmmaking world or something like that. So there was a lot of questions of like, okay, what is good? And then if you stop to think about it, that's what kind of how kind of how we look into things, right? If you if there's a painting that touches your heart that you know evokes emotions in you you call that a work of art right 
if a pianist plays a beautiful song uh, in the piano, you call that person an artist because you know there's this idea of of a skill that the person can bring and that can invoke emotions, right? And so, to me, growing up and you know at going into college and everything, um, this idea of art really seemed as the standard to which I should seek to be like, you know, I should be an artist in the, in the full sense of being somebody that is masterful and everything. So the word art was synonymous to good of being something that is great. And, and that's what I was trying to figure out. So what is art, right? That question was still not answered. And in the last few years, I've been studying a little bit more about this um, and, and more closely aligned also to what does that what are the implications for us as Christians? Um, and I want to kind of share that with you today, kind of take you into that process of investigation that I, I, I went into and share some of the findings that I had. So if you think of, <coughs> sorry about if you think about um, where to start to find out what art is, the first thing that you might do is try to find a definition in the dictionary. It's it's the most common place for you to find a definition, right? So if we go to the Oxford Learner's Dictionary, we will find that it will give us seven definitions. But if you really look into it, it's more like two definitions. And and these two definitions that the, the Oxford Dictionary gives us kind of sum all the other definitions that they give as well. So the first definition is the use of the imagination to express ideas or feelings particularly in painting, drawing, or sculpture. And the second definition is an ability or a skill that you can develop with training and practice. So here we have basically two different, um, two different categories. One where it talks about the form, right? The skill that you have to uh, create something specific, like whether it be a shoe or a painting, there's a skill to it, right? The art of doing something, um, which is more related to form. And then there's the second definition, or in this case, the first one, which is related to the content. So we express our feelings, our ideas in a concrete way, right? Um, and so basically it's between content and form. Now, I don't think that answers our question of how that can relate to our Christian worldview. It doesn't tell me what it, art is good or what art is bad, right? If we want to actually understand in a Christian, a religious worldview, what is art, we have to look at the source, our, our, a source of, of inspiration, our source of beliefs, and that is the Bible, right? So the first thing that you might do if you want to understand a little bit more of what the Bible talks about art, you'll try to look where the Bible talks, has where the, we find in the Bible the word art, right? And that would be kind of long if we did this right now. So I already kind of put that together for you. In the New King James Version, we have 15 times the word art or any derivatives appear like artist or artistic um, in the New International Version 11 and also in the NASB, we have also 15. <laughs> and some of the words that appear 
uh, the words that appear are these five words, um, and all of them kind of going fit into that category of technical. So we have a word that means artist. We have another word that means ingenious work. Another word that means thought or artistic design. There's another one that means a frame. And there's also one that talks about art, skill, trade, and craft. So it all goes to that category where we talked about the technical aspect of it, right? Um, but what about the, the other definition that we talked about, the expression, right? One thing that we it's important to point out that is that translations are contextual, right? So these words that appear as art in our Bible in English, they are the words that the translators back then thought were the appropriate words for the original language in Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek, right? And so when this, uh, when we have, for example, the King James Version being first brought up, which was in 1611, the translator at that time, the context of the word art was very different than what it is now. So from the 17th, a little bit of art history here, from the 17th century up to now, the, the word it transformed because of enlightenment, because of rationalism, because of um, other context. Uh, connotations that were given to the word art and at the time of the translation of the bible art just meant skill so it's important to have that in mind does that mean that the bible does not talk about forms of expression well not necessarily if you really want to look into that we would have to do an exegesis of the bible to to see that but the bible is pretty big right so where do we start um to look into this if if you look into literature, um, we know that when we're uh, reading a story, we know that the beginning always brings us a few important things. It brings us who the character is. It brings us the setting. It brings us the, um, you know, the important context that we need to understand the story, right? The same thing with textbooks. In textbooks, we have in the beginning of a chapter, in the beginning of the book, definitions. We have, um, everything that we need to know so we understand the the rest of the book even with poetry which is a little bit more abstract we in the first verse we understand how the the structure of the poem is going to be so always in the beginning we have something that will lead us into the rest of the book and if we look into the bible it's no different so if we want to understand art where do we go to start this investigation we go to the beginning, to Genesis. And many theologians talk about the first three chapters of, of the Bible, Genesis 1 through 3, being the blueprint to the rest of the Bible in all of its subjects. So we're not going to read the whole three chapters. There's a lot, a lot going on and we can learn a lot. And if we want to, we can stay the whole day here talking just about these three chapters. But to begin, I want to read the, four, four, the first four verses of Genesis with you. So if you have your Bible with you, we'll open in Genesis 1. I'm going to follow my dad's example. If you found it, say amen. I've, I've always found that very cheesy, but at the same time, it kind of buys us time, right? So um, I'm becoming who I was feared. Um, anyway, so Genesis 1, 1, we have... The verse, in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. So remembering that when we're reading a book, we look into the first you know, pages, the first chapter to understand what everything is about, the characters and everything. And in the Bible, it's no different. So it's interesting to see that in, in, in the first verse, the first, the first um, image that we have of God is this image of God as a creator. He could have shown himself in any ways. And, and when we stop to think about God, we, we think of him in, normally in other ways. We think of God as, you know, all-powerful. We think of God as, um, you know, our, uh, as, as a savior. We think about God in, in, as a father. We think of, we have many images that first come to our mind. But it's interesting to see that God um, brought this idea of, of creator, of, of an an artist in a way, um, to present himself to the world in his book. There, uh, there's the, this um, theologian, Angel Manuel Rodriguez, which is, uh, he was uh, for many years the director of biblical research for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And he talked, talking about uh, these first few verses, he talks about what might be the intention of talking about of presenting himself, God presenting himself as the creator. And what he talks about is that when we question why, why God created everything, there's no reason to logical reason why he would need to create something. There's, he doesn't have a need to create something, but in creating something, he shows the essence of who he is, which is love. Right? So the, the, a possible reason of why he is presenting himself is to show this essence since the beginning, which is the essence of love. And another interesting thing to point out in this verse is that the the verb create, which in Hebrew is bara, um, it's it's a form of 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 a, of a verb that is only used and attribute to God Himself. So. This creation is something special. It's, it's something that is specific to God, a creation that is out of nothing, right? Um, so in the first verse, we already see this. God is a creator. He's, he is, in, in a way, an artist, right? Uh, bringing something, something out, out of nothing. And we see that in the second verse when we read Genesis 1-2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering, hovering over the waters. So, again, we see this idea of being out of nothing. You know, it's an empty canvas. The world is formless. It's dark. It's empty. And God comes and, you know, creates something out of nothing. Um, it's also interesting to see that here we have the spirit of God was ho- hovering over the waters. And this verse um, is commonly talked about and questioned about its its significance right um sorry it's talked about its significance but it's interesting to see that the word that is used for spirit of god which is ruach in in hebrew it is also used in in some other places and in a very similar manner so here we see the spirit of god hovering over the waters being active before God actually in the next verse starts creating, you know, uh, light. 
And in a similar form, in one of the first times we see this word, Hebrew word ruach being used again, is in Exodus um, 31, 1 to 3, when God is talking to Moses about Bezalel, the artist that will create, the head artist that will create the, the, the sanctuary. And God uses it in a, in a very similar way where he talks about filling Bezalel with the spirit and then he goes on to create something. So here we see that there is something or someone that comes before our work that fills us up and, and creates uh, and gives us the, the potential to create something, right? In, in a very similar manner. <laughs> um, going to verse three, and, and God said, let there be light and there was light. So here is the act of creation itself. And it's interesting to see how the word to uh, used to, for the creation is actually the word itself. It's, it's said, right? It's a form of expression which brings things into creation. So here, it doesn't say God is being artful, but in a way, it, it kind of shows this idea of expressing something into existence. Um, and we'll see a parallel with human later on with the same idea of expression. Um, and then in verse four, finally, we have God saw the light was good and he, he separated the light from the darkness. And the the word for good is toab, which is basically perfect. It's whole. It's complete, right? So God, the creator, creates out of nothing. You know, this is what we, we understand. He's active. He creates out of nothing. And he self in his self-expression, he creates the world. And his creation is good. So, I mean, that's kind of basic. You know, as we've probably all heard this before. We know that God is a creator and he's, um, he's all powerful and he can create things out of nothing. So that's not, not much new things for us, but what does this have to do with me? So we'll continue a little bit more. And like I said, it's three chapters and we can, you know, learn a lot of things from these chapters and we can spend the whole day. So I'm going to get a few verses that can show us some things. Um, I'm going to pinpoint these verses. So right after those four verses, God creates the rest of the, the world. He creates, you know, the seas. He separates the, the sea from the land. He creates the trees, the vegetation, and he brings in the animals, the birds. And then in, in Friday, on the sixth day, he creates humans, right? Which are us. So uh, I think it's more pertinent that we look into these things, right? In chapters um, one and two, there's the creation of man. So if we go to Genesis 1, 26, we can see, then God said, and that word said is the same word of, of in Hebrew that was used in the beginning, um, in the first, uh, in the second verse, sorry, third verse, where he says, let there be light. So again, it's this idea of, you know, let's create, he's creating through an expression. And he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the skies, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So he, um, it's interesting to say, just see in a very superficial reading that, you know, we're created to rule other things. Um, and in, in a way, that kind of already talks about like the idea of, of, 
of dominion and skill and, and mastery over something, right? Um, but if we look more deeply into this, into the original language, when God says, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, we see the word image and likeness, which in in Hebrew, the, the word for image, uh, which is tselem, is it, it talks about, it's the same word that is used in other places in the Bible to refer to an idol. So there's this idea of of representation. We represent something, you know, like uh, we're little idols or uh, of of God in, in a way, but not idols in the sense of idolatry, but of representation, right? And then that kind of completes itself in likeness, which is likeness in Hebrew. It's not very different from what our translation. So um, the idea here is that God is creating human in his image so it represents something it's it's representative representative of who he is and in his likeness right um and so that's very interesting and then in later on he goes after that verse he talks a little bit about the garden of eden but then in in genesis 2 7 it goes more specific into what how god created um how God created man. And the uh, Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So here, in, in, in that first verse that we read from Genesis 1, it talks about God saying, right? But then here he goes a step further and he he forms the man out of dust, like, uh, you know, a... Uh, pot of clay or something and so um again it, it's this idea of skill this idea of 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 an artist of a craftsmanship right of craftsmanship um and it as a matter of fact this word is used later on in jeremiah and isaiah to talk about uh, metaphors of of god but using the idea of uh um of a uh, potter so um it's it's very intentional the use of this word here in genesis and then to make it more intentional the word for man is this is is derivative of the word dust so man is dust and god is getting these dust and building him out of of clay right so again there's this artistic um connotation to it and then finally another verse that i want to read a little bit further is that after god created the man and you know he talks a little bit more about eden and presents the garden of eden to adam um he goes on to say this now uh, the, the 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 book says this now the lord god had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky he brought them to the man to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature, that was the name. So, like we said, God gives them gave dominion over the earth and allowed Adam to be expressive. So here we see Adam, you know, having a, a line of animals going uh, before him, and then he sees them, looks at him, thinks about it, and expresses what he feels. Maybe he saw a tiger and he saw 
animal with squiggly lines. You know, he could have named that. Or he maybe said very fancy animal because of the squiggly. I don't know. He, he thought of, about what the animal, um, you know, looked to him and what that represented to him. And he was able to name this animal in a similar way using his expression. So he was self-expressive. Um, and there, <laughs> there's this um, Japanese uh, artist, Christian artist called Makoto Fujimura. And he talks about this specific thing. Uh, uh, about Adam and naming, and he says that we can create into creation something unique and particular uh, through what we see. So what we see in these verses is uh, the work of art, which is us and God's creation. But at the same time, human is a little bit. The humans are a little bit different because, in a way, in their representation of God, they are also given this task of being an artist in, in in a little bit different way, but we're given this task of being an artist as well. Um, we're creating the image of God and we are proportionally self-expressive. So when, if you looked into the bulletin or saw the slide with the title, you saw artists of the kingdom and saw that artist with a lowercase a, um, you might've thought it was a typo, but in fact it was intentional because as we have seen, God is the only being that could create out of nothing. And he even has this specific word that was reserved for his creations. And not only used in the creation itself, but used throughout the Bible to talk about when he brings something out of nothing. So God is the, the main artist with a capital A. And then humans, as his uh, representative, as an image of God, we are artists in a lower capital A, um, in the sense that we create things not out of nothing, but we create out of looking into what is created, looking into existence and creating um, and, and bringing more meaning or, or, or showing things uh, what we are shown in, in, a different, uh, in a different way, in a creative way, in a self-expressive way. So there's this uh, philosopher, which I kind of appropriated his phrase, um, which is, art is the origin of the artwork and of the artist. What he's trying to say here in, in, in his philosophy is basically that the origin of art is not the artist. Art is there. And as an artist, when we look into a, a, um, a block of marble or if we look into... Um, nature we see what we see the art that we are later put into a canvas or into um a, a book or or something uh we we become more of a vessel than actually creating art through our own our own means and that is kind of it kind of aligns to this idea that we're talking about where we are artists with a, a lowercase a in the sense that we are creating through something that is already created, right? And, uh, another philosopher slash theologian that talks about this in a little bit more clear way is uh, Rabbi Abraham Heschel. And he talks and he says, it is the sense of the sublime that we have to regard as the root of man's creative activities and art, thought, and noble living. Only those who live on borrowed words believe in their gift of expression. 
So again, this idea that we can only create, we can only um, have our thoughts, we can only have uh, live nobly in, in, in this case, if we look into something that is beyond ourselves, which is bigger than ourselves. When we look into nature, when we look into um, our experiences with people, we are we are uh, amazed with the sublime, with the ineffable, with God, and we then can try to put into simple words in, in a lesser form than than the original art, um, but that can show us the truth of of the sublime, which is God and His essence, which which is love. So. Going back to that question, now that we've done a little bit of diving into this, what it, it, after looking at this, what consists of art? Everything is art, which is kind of weird. It, it, it sounds kind of like that you know those hippie artists were like, "Hey, man, this is art." You know, look at I got a leaf, and I put a hole on it. It's art, it, but. It, it sounds kind of weird, but at the same time, it's not. Because when we look to everything around us, it, is all, it all comes from God's creation. It all comes from God's original work of art, which is us, which is the world around us. And even within sin, we can still see his traces. And, and I want to go back a little bit to the, to the survey that we did initially. And I want to, you guys to... Uh, now with this a little bit of this perspective look into some of some objects or or things and see if you guys would consider it art and let's do the raising hands and i'll do this time along too so would you consider this art i would consider art would you consider this art this is a, a drawing that my sister Catherine did when she was 10 years old we were at church and um she, she, I had a, a little notebook and she's like, Hey, can I draw in your notebook? And I'm like, yeah. And then she drew it on the notebook. And normally she would like rip it apart and just have like the painting, the drawing for herself. But then she did this one and she's like, Hey, this isn't, this one's for you. Now, if we, if we look into it, there's not, you know, a lot of technique here. There's not, you know, the strokes like Bob Ross strokes or something. Um, but it's, it's very simple. And if you look at a technical point of view, it's not very artistic. But it is artistic in the sense that it does. She 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 saw something, uh, uh, drawing maybe in in a in a book of the Bible or something. I don't know. Uh, she saw something and saw that maybe that would be nice to give to me, and so she drew it and gave it to me. And that has a lot of meaning. It shows the essence of art, which is love. The same reason why God created the earth, she was having that intentionality towards me. I want to push this a little bit further now. Can this be considered art? Not the picture itself, but the situation. So, for example, you had a long day of work. You know, your boss wouldn't, you know, get off your neck. And you're going back home. You just want to lay down. But then you remember you have to go to the grocery store and get something. You go to the grocery store. You're just tired. You just want to lay down. You get whatever you need. You go to the register. And then... Um, the cashier looks at you, gives you a smile. And in some way she talks, she says something that it comforts you a little bit, makes you giggle. I don't know. 
Can that be considered art? Because ultimately, what that person is doing is being expressive, is putting into words something that she wants you to see that, that takes you back into what is really important in, in life. And it takes you back to the big image of things. And as we said, it's the idea of love, which God is love, right? And his creation. And so in that sense of art, art is not as much as an occupation or a technical thing, um, which we look into and we understand things today. But art has more, art, being an artist is more about the nature of humanity itself. As an image of God, we are representatives. We are are literally a work of art representing being an image of God to others. And also at the same time, through this image, which we represent God, so him as a creator, we are also being creators and artists in the lesser sense. Um, we are, um, it, it's part of who we are, right? Going back to that Japanese artist, he talks about uh, naming the animals, saying, by asking Adam to name the animals, God commissions him to use his creativity. In this word commission, we find commission as well. As well, God is inviting Adam to exercise his ability to co-create in Eden. And God continually commissions God's children to create. So this idea of, of being an artist is not specific to those who deal with crafts, with you know literature or with... Um, poetry, with music, with painting. We are all artists in the sense that we are expressing God and, 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 and testifying of, of God. Um, and, and we are creating things even in, in a world full of sin out of things that we can see. And that means not just out of perfect things. You know, we look into a tree and we see the beauty of a tree and so we replicate it or we, we create a poetry about the beauty of nature or something. But we also create, we are able to create things it, with, even within the broken nature of things. So the same, the same um, artist talks about the art of kintsugi, the Japanese art of kintsugi, <coughs> which is basically when you have a, a broken pot or something, um, you grab those pieces and you stitch them together with uh, golden powder and glue them together. And that way it has a new value. And in a way that that's what God does with us as well, right? As, as works of his hand, as, uh, as a potter, he grabs us and molds us and creates us, right? So even within broken uh, uh, reality, we can still create things. And, and if we look at back at this picture that my, my sister drew, it's not perfect. It's broken. There's some stain. I, I, I left some drink fall spill there on my notebook. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's not the most beautiful thing. But at the same time, it is. Because it, it, the, the intention is there. So even within brokenness, we can, you know, um, we can create things. The best that you can give is what you got. And so um, that kind of puts... That kind of put the, the verse of 1 Corinthians 10.31 in a little bit more of perspective. When I was growing up, I, I wonder why God you know, had put specifically eat or drink. And there's a whole context of the chapter of 1 Corinthians 10, um, which talks about 
um, meat sacrificed to the idol. But I've always found it kind of funny. But then looking at it through this perspective of art being anything and everything, um, we can find, you know, the, the trace of art in everything and, every, and anything. It kind of makes more sense. Even the act of eating, even the act of drinking, it's an art. It's an art where we are continuously representing God and in his image and also um, being able to do these things creatively, even creating a, a drink, you know. You, you get your, 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 your milk and try to put something else and let me be a little bit more adventurous. Let me put something else. Let's see how it works out. Even that is, it's art, right? So, um, so what, what I think I want, I want to get here, the point where I want to get here is that sometimes we think about art as something that is very superficial. That is something very, um, you know, not important to the church or to our life. Uh, but ultimately, when we understand the the essence of art in a biblical perspective, which is about, first of all, about love and, and our nature as artists, because we are representative of God and he shows himself as a creator. And we're also in a lesser sense, um, creators as well. Uh, everything that we do in a form is, is this form of, of bringing something to existence to show about God's love. And it kind of ties back to what I was talking about, you know, in the beginning about doing uh, a sermon and I'm not a preacher or anything. Um, it, it's not about being being something or not being something or having value or being skilled. Obviously, we all want to do things at the best level that, that we can, right? We want to be um, poetic when we write. We want to be you know, uh, do the, like do the best drawing and that, you know, is, it brings us to tears. But ultimately, even in, for example, a broken sermon as mine, in the sense that I'm not a, a preacher, I'm not a speaker, you can, you know, maybe God can speak through me to maybe teach something new to you, or maybe to revisit something that you've thought about, um, prior, but, you know, you have forgotten or, uh, or even just to show that you know, there, you're you're not unworthy. You're very worthy in in sense because if I'm speaking here up the front, come on, you're you're also worthy, um, and and ultimately that that's the whole idea of it. You know, even within within our brokenness, we can find the, the beauty of things, and and God is a, a God of beauty. He creates things in in extravagance. You know. Um, there are certain things that we see in nature that sometimes doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, but it's there because it's, it's beautiful. God wants to be, he, he is that person that thinks about things, not all about the utility of things, but also what goes beyond that. And, and in those things that go beyond, we see the essence of his, of his character and the essence of what it means to be a creator, which is love. So my, my message to you today is that we should be a little bit more mindful about things in life. Look into, um, you know, the beauty of, of, of the everyday things and, and try to embrace this idea that whether, whether we're uh, artists in our conventional sense or not, we are all artists in, in a biblical perspective. We are all called to 
be an image of God. And whether, you know, you work with plumbing, whether you work with painting, whether you work with at, at, as a nurse or whatever, you, we are artists and we're creating art uh, to glorify the name of God. So whether we eat, whether we drink, you know, we should do this for the glory of God. Thank you. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.